0: Hello and welcome to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida and Marion, Massachusetts, hosted by Ed Shanafee, USPTA professional and international businessman. This is the podcast that researches and looks at the club management and facility side of our business. Thank you for joining the Beyond the Baselines podcast. I'm Ed Shanafee, I'm your host. And this week, we're really excited to have join us a pioneering woman in our industry, Amy Pazahannock. And she's going to share with us her news and her views, or as she calls it, her mission and her vision. She made a deal with herself that she would start an academy by the age of 26, and by Jove, she's done it. She now manages over four public facilities, with more to come, 70 tennis courts, 10 city championships, and more than 30 pickleball courts. She's a true pioneer in our industry. Agape is a Greek word meaning love of man and love of God, and she exudes that passion for her sport and for the people every day. Now, without further ado, here's Amy. Well, thanks for joining us here at uh, Beyond the Baselines podcast, and this week I'm really excited to have on with us Amy Pazahanik And Amy, I'd love to have you describe what you do there in Atlanta and how the Academy came to be.
1: Sure. Um, Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, And just looking forward to this conversation. Um, So how we, well, I mean, how we came to be is a, I guess that could could be a very long answer, but um, I started Agape in 2012 Mm -hmm. and we started management in Atlanta in 2017.
0: Okay. And and you go in and, and manage facilities is what it looks like, public facilities? That's right. And what got you started on that vein of work? I mean, it's it I, I read up on Agape it says it's an academy, but really you're an academy, but you're running a, a, a management company at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah, to me the word academy just means like school of tennis. I think people take academy to mean a lot of different things in our industry. But yeah, I mean definitely Agape Tennis Academy is a is a full-scale management company and we manage uh public tennis centers. We most recently um just took over or were awarded a contract to manage three more tennis centers in Macon, Georgia, which is about an hour South of Atlanta. Right. Um, so now we'll be managing four public tennis centers. Um, I believe that's a, uh, I don't I think we're at close to 70 tennis courts and 30 pickleball courts. Yeah. We were, we started out in actually kind of like a semi-private sector. I was operating Agape inside, of a semi-private country club. Mm -hmm. And what got me started in the public sector was was more of a a push rather than me really knowing that that was the vein that we wanted to be in uh, because the country club where we were were operating got sold uh, to a larger private corporation, Mm -hmm. um, which then in turn led me to, to look outside of the private sector Um, and into the public sector. And, you know, we won our first bid in 2017 to manage DeKalb Tennis Center. And then, you know, I love being in the public sector and I think it fits our mission and vision a whole lot better. Um, So I've just really been enjoying it. And then the ability to grow in that sector has been, you know, obviously really good for us and and we continue to grow and we're sort of at a, um, just like a massive growth spurt. you know time in the business so did did you when you I, I looked and it says you have
0: you know you just mentioned seventy courts, but you you manage i think ten city championships and it's a, it's it's more than just teaching obviously this is uh you're a chief executive officer of a a, 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 a firm that manages public facilities, mm-hmm. and how do you take your mission as you say your mission and vision? is does it start with the juniors does it does it get into adults how how do you take your mission and vision and bring that to to your students
1: yeah i mean it's it's really about the community so when i say that it means we're really trying to serve everyone so that includes juniors it includes adults it includes senior seniors it includes those with uh, disabilities uh you know intellectual disabilities physical disabilities at-risk kids um which is why we started uh, recently to um, the Agape Tennis Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm. So mm-hmm. the, the mission um, is to be a place that we, we use tennis as a vehicle to bring people together and enrich communities and lives through tennis. So we do that by bringing the entire community in in, in taking care of the community through tennis. A so vision that I've had since day one. And we've been lucky enough to be able to just keep growing that vision and, and being put into places where it's very possible for us to continue to do that.
0: That's fantastic. I, there's a few firms I know that do what you do, but I, I have not seen any firm grow as fast as yours. It's, it, as you said, you're, you're up to 70 courts under management. You played your college tennis at, at uh, Coastal Carolina, and obviously you're a player. When did you start playing at
1: what age and when did you first teach? What was what's the story behind that? Sure. I'm gonna can I can I go back to just one little little comment because I think it's funny. Um, you know, I think it's just, you know, this is just a side note, but I think it's really interesting about growth when, you know, like to to your comment when you say, man, it it looks like you guys are growing so fast and and we are, but at the same time I I always laugh internally because to me it feels like I have been working on growing for, you know 15 years you know so to me it feels like man the 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 growth is very gradual it's it's always moving forward but it also feels like it's long and i think um what people see is because we've been working so hard and doing so many things consistently over the course of you know 10 years time that all of a sudden you do hit that point where everything just goes off at the same time and so i think to the outside it looks like boom you know like these people just came out of nowhere. But what it really feels like to me is that we've been doing this consistent, repetitive behavior over and over and over for years. Anyway.
0: Well, just- no, and let, let me, let me follow up on that. Um, I, I was in marketing long before I was in tennis and what you do as a chief executive officer is, is pitch your business and maybe it takes time. I, I'm sure it does.
1: Absolutely. yeah. And
0: you get better as you go through each pitch. So take us through a little bit of how you pitch. You obviously have to go to uh, uh, a parks and recs department or, um, the government uh, administration and and pitch for you to run these facilities. How, take us through that step. How does that I work? I
1: don't know if it's 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 the pitch or just the fact that it's the the consistency of the branding and of who we are over time. I mean, you know, to go back to your original question, I started coaching tennis, I think when I was like sixteen years old. So I think it's. A consistent message, a consistent brand. And I think over time, people realize we're staying true to who we are. We're staying true to our core values. We're staying true to who we are from our origins. And I think when you do that over, over, you know, over the longevity, things just happen. And I think most people don't stick to things long enough or they're not disciplined long enough. But we've been having that consistent messaging, you know, social media, just doing all those right things. It's just like training as an athlete over time. When you've been working that hard, you know all of a sudden, you know, you know how it is. Somebody will come up in the U.S. Open or Wimbledon that we didn't know of, and they're just like kicking butt. And we're like, where did they come from? Um, oh. And so I think it's that same same concept there. Um, and yeah, of course, you hone your skills, you get better, you learn different things over time. I think that the key is that just never, never, never stop growing and learning, and you know, challenging myself and disciplining myself, and then getting more and more people to buy into that vision, which then helps you go 10 times faster because you have more more human power.
0: So you started coaching at 16 and then you, you went through college and then did you start teaching right after college or how did how did that happen? What happened? Yeah,
1: so I played. Um, Division one college tennis, and in the summers, like I would always coach tennis. I would just, you know, when I'd come home for college or you know whatever, I was just always coaching. That's just how I always made money. Um, and then I got a degree in sports management, mm-hmm. and yeah, like right as soon as I, I mean, I got a job while I was still in college. Uh, one of the clubs I was teaching summer camps hired me full time. So, I started coaching straight out of school, and my first boss was a really good first boss for me, I guess first and only boss, really, um, because she taught me a lot about business, so you know and, and it was always my goal to have my own tennis academy by the time I was twenty six and that was my goal and and that's what that 's what happened but she took she spent a lot of time with me showing me the business side of it, and I think right. that that's just a very different thing um you know for athletes i spent a lot of time focused on on the business side of it not just coaching
0: i i i have so many follow-ups to that question because part of the podcast series that we're doing is looking at women in our industry and why there aren't more and here you are and you you reached your goal of owning an academy by the age of 26 but you were mentored by a female Mm -hmm. and that female brought you in through the industry by as you just said by showing you the business side mm. of, of, of that business. And what I'm trying to find out, and, and I think everyone wants to know, is was it easier to be mentored maybe by a female as you are a female? Was that a part of, do you ever think about that? Would it have been different
1: I, if it had been a male director at that time? I mean, yeah, maybe so. I mean, it's it's not something I've really thought about. I feel like, you know, a lot of ways I've just kind of followed my intuition and the right people show up at the right time. So Mm -hmm. Heather Sylvia was her name. And while she was my first mentor directly out of school. Yeah. I mean, I think probably so, but I also think I had the interest. I would, it was, it was very much a two way street. Like I would write her, Hey, can we meet? Hey, can I learn this from you? How do you do this? How do you do that? Where did you come up with this? Um, And then after uh, Heather Sylvia, most of my mentors after her have been men um, mm-hmm. and I, I you know I don't think it's a function of gender I think it's been a function of my curiosity. Um, I was fortunate to, enough to to meet the CEO of uh, Canongate Golf and, and that owner managed I think he had like 50 golf courses which also had tennis and I remember seeing him speak one time and just thinking, man, this, this, this guy's really intelligent. I want to pick his brain. And so I think it's more that I'm just not scared to ask. So I literally asked him, I was like, is it okay if I like call you once a week for an hour and like pick your brain? And this, this was a multimillionaire managing all these, all these companies. And he said, yes. And so it, it, it's just like getting access to, you know, these brilliant people in our industry. And, and so I think he had a big influence on me as well. And from him, I learned all about business and seeing him manage 50 clubs and then sell them for you know, a, a lot of money was definitely like an inspirational thing as well. Yeah.
0: Let, me, let me ask you now that you are on the other side and you are mentoring people that, and you're hiring people. I have a motto that I learned from my mentor. Um, and, and it is that you, when you go and hire someone, uh, you usually hire someone better than you are at certain things.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: have you ever thought that way? And I noticed when I looked at all your instructors, I'd say maybe 30, 40, maybe 40% of your instructors, maybe more are, are women. Mm-hmm. But what I'm also asking here is, isn't it nice to be on, the, after having been mentored so well, to, to know that, yes, you don't have to be the best at everything, and you know yeah. that side. do you look at certain characteristics where you know that candidate might be better at at that one thing than you are
1: absolutely I mean I think that's what a team is is we're all playing a position and you know everybody is knows their role and they know their position and they should know what they're really really good at and how they can bring the most value to the team and that's my job as a leader to to direct them into that position I feel, feel like that is that's one of the biggest things of of my job you know for me on the business side of things my um, office manager um, you know who who acts as you know our um, our chief financial officer i mean Mm -hmm. it's very important to have somebody like that who's very good at the details you know can tell me our profit margins where we're losing money where we're making money and who likes it who likes creating excel spreadsheets and can get in the weeds there Whereas, you know, I have a overall understanding of everything and then different people who are in deep in certain aspects of the business and certain aspects of, of the coaching, you know, having um, someone who takes the lead on the high performance side, someone who takes the lead with the quick start kids in yeah, just putting them in those roles. And then then my goal is to be, you know, the overall visionary, seeing the big picture, you know, saying, this is the North Star, this is where I want us to go. And then, you know, they all help, help me get there.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, well said.
1: Help us get there.
0: Yep. And, and how many people do you have actually, now you're, you obviously have an office staff, and how many coaches do you have? And and are they employees or some of them independent contractors, but how many people do you, uh, you know, manage?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's growing every day, right? Cause we're right on the, you know, we're taking over three more centers right now. So our numbers are really in flux and growing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for me to know the exact number because we're just, we're hiring people, you know, so fast, but um, you know, probably when I'm kind of complete with getting our, our Macon staff finalized, I mean, we've probably somewhere between 40 and 50 between, you know, all the admin and all the on-court coaches and, and part-time folks
0: hmm great and,
1: and you know picking
0: those people is so important and understanding as you said to s- see the vision of where they will fit best in your organization that that's mm-hmm. really the key to being a good leader mm-hmm. um let me ask you about hiring and do you think that women when you when you interview and you you're looking at a female coach do you think they have a different approach uh, when they're on court and when they're teaching
1: I mean, I guess it's just you know, I guess I I just really do look at people as people. But I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but I do feel that women have far less ego, and it makes working together a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, I, I think, what we've created with everybody on our team is there's no ego. It is a team. If there's, um, let's say, you know, a really good junior, we're all building that junior. It's it's a village. It's not, you know, Coach X is in charge of this one kid and that's it. And where I think many tennis clubs, it becomes very competitive. Like this is my kid and they're protective over it instead of it all working like a unit. And I think of the Tennis Academy like a village. That kid is ours to develop. And if if a player can get the best aspects from myself and five of our other coaches, that kid is going to be far better well-rounded and I think learn more than just being under the direction of one coach. Now, you might have one coach that's just just building that kid's technique because that's probably fairly important, but then if I'm the best at the mental side of the game, why wouldn't I then be the kid's mental coach and then the kid have uh, someone who's really good for his or her fitness? Uh, and, and that's how I see it. I think we should all be working together to build the people that we're coaching rather than one coach uh, try to you know, take over and, and feel like it's their kid kind of thing if that makes sense
0: yeah and and obviously i i found in in my experience that some coaches are better at 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 absolutely who 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 don't want to who 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 aren't thinking of becoming a professional professional player and they Mm -hmm. they love that that group then you have the high performance coaches that want those driven kids where you know so you have a different um different feel to, 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 coaching those.
1: Yeah. And I mean, what I see is like there's some coaches that we have on our staff that are really, really good at coaching the strategy and, you know, developing point construction and some are better at, at, the technical part of the game. And, and, you know, I think I'm really, really good at the emotional and mental part of the game. Mm-hmm. So, for, you know, so that's where I think it's really cool. If you can create an environment where people are all, are all open to working together, in my opinion, that's far better for the people and for the kids um, to do it that way. And, and I think so few clubs create that culture where that really happens. And I think it's unfortunate because I think that's, what's best for the, for the, people
0: i know looking at all your social media and uh, i'll be honest your social media your your marketing is is second to none for an academy and imagine that you that you're running Uh, i know you're caring and you've already said this you're passionate about what you do I think sometimes those characteristics, as well as being very organized, and I noted a picture on, uh, I think, your LinkedIn of, of <laughs> yeah. the ball carts at one of your facilities. And, and, and I find ball carts to show the, the typical organization uh, of, a, of a firm. You're down to the minute, minutiae there looking at your ball carts. How, right. how, do, you, how do you think you rate uh, in, in terms of organization and in passion and keeping those two together compared to other people you know in the
1: business? um, very, 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 very high, especially with organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, and passion, I mean, so many, uh, people that's where, or, or tennis professionals, that's where they lack is that organization in the business side of things. And you just can't do that. And in fact, the bigger you are, the more organized you need to be. Everything needs to fit into a system because, it just has to. And, and you're far more efficient when you're organized and when you're not. And we have little systems for everything. And, you know, I have, you know, as I mentioned, you know, my, my office manager helps me with that. And is really good at creating new processes or new procedures uh, when we need them. But then it also takes me knowing how important that is to say, yeah, we need that. It might not be my, my most favorite thing in the world, but I know it's needed. And so you have to do those necessary things. And if I'm saying, Hey, we want to have, you know, X number of facilities, 10 plus facilities or or whatever it may be, we have got to be extremely organized and the more successful I want to be, the more organized I have, I have to be, I think that goes hand in hand.
0: Yep. Uh, Especially in these times, Uh, I know COVID-19 is going to be with us looks like for the next, you know, few months. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, me personally, I'm looking at my summer schedule going, I have to be organized and I have to have a plan. How are you approaching the next, you know, the summer holiday where I'm sure your academy will be crowded with children, hopefully. How are you planning uh, the COVID-19 scenario?
1: Yeah. um, You know, for the month of May, we sort of have a gradual Plan in place where we're doing, you know, mostly one-on-one private lessons. People can still make reservations in place. So just, you know, a lot of smaller groups. So we're we're easing into it. So, so we're planning on doing that for the month of May in all four of our locations. Our goal right now, our plan right now is to start everything um, June 1st with summer camps. And then we're just in the process of creating um, really good procedures on, okay, how are we going to manage this as far as, you know, we're going to spread the kids out more, only have them work in groups of 10 and space them out. So just some different protocol for how we're going to manage larger groups, even when it is more relatively okay. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's an evolving thing. So we have to be ready to be nimble and be able to evolve with new information and what happens. So we always have a plan for what's happening right now, but that plan might change in two days as more information emerges and then we just create another plan. So I think it's the ability mentally to be flexible with your plans, but then to always have a plan.
0: <laughs> Especially in these times. I obviously, uh, I, I'm, I'm working on a, on a story coming up and I'm talking about how to approach the next few months. And believe it or not, the flexibility is the number one criteria. If you're not flexible, you're not going to be able to move with the times. Secondly, you have to have a bit of liquidity behind you because your profitability might be down a bit this summer, probably will be down this summer because we are not going to have the the six to one or eight to one or 10 to one ratios for a portion of the time throughout the day. You're going to have to keep your ratios a little smaller. Have you thought about that and made a business plan in, in, in response to that?
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I just feel like when you have the right mindset, things just work for you. Like, I've already had um, people reach out at the Nike tennis camps that we're going to be operating at some of the big universities. Um Emory University, which is across the street from one of our tennis centers, you know, they they get tons of kids talking to us about using our facilities for their camp. So that's an extra big revenue source that we could have this summer. So I guess my point is too, um, we can. You, you, it's always good to plan for the worst, but then I don't know. I mean, we just we just have this tendency, man. I'm telling you, to always be lucky with. There's just so many opportunities and you never know. And so there's always new ways. Yeah, this might be down, but now this is up because these people need a facility because college campuses are closed for the summer. So now they're looking to public centers. So um, there's also new sources of income that have right. come in because of this.
0: Creates a different revenue stream, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're
0: obviously growing the, the academy, the management firm. You're a, a woman. Have you have you ever experienced anything because you're a woman that you thought was unfair? Obviously, you're doing very well. People have helped you. But has there been something on the other side that has held you back? Because um,
1: of- man, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's been... um. You know, it's hard to say too, you know, it's hard to say, is it because I'm a woman or not? And, um, it's just a tough question. I see, I I think, I think both, I mean, I think maybe there's been some advantages of being a woman and then I think there's some disadvantages. Um, I guess I try not to focus on that too much and focus more on the markets, the market. Sometimes I've felt like, yeah, I've had to work harder To get in the position i'm in because i'm a female Mm -hmm. but then at the same time i i i also believe just straight up there's a certain point when if you're good you're good and it doesn't matter what you are and i have a tendency to focus more on that and just be be better be the best you can and the market's not going to care Mark, right. uh, you know, at some point when you are just good, it doesn't matter what you look like or where you came from, or if you're a female and I, you know, you look like you're 12 years old. I mean, it, it whatever, you know, right. if you're good, you're good. And it'll start to speak for itself. But I do think there's definitely things you have to overcome. I think as a woman, um, I do, I, I feel like there's, it's like you have to, you have to be held, you're held to a higher standard, um, you know, if you are too aggressive, then you're looked at a certain way. If you're too emotional, then you're looked at a certain way where I do feel that men have a little bit more freedom to make more mistakes and be more overlooked than a woman. I I do think that is true. I think women are judged harder um, in the business world.
0: I understand, and i I agree i, I 'm always wondering you know if, if I could get a picture of a bank manager, say you walk into a new bank and say i 'd like to open up my business accounts here and you show them what you 've done in the last six months or her the bank manager and i 'd love to have a picture of their face you know those yeah. are the, those are the things I I, I I kind of wonder about and and think it, for for a person in your position where you're, where you're growing so fast.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's a little bit, this is like a weird way to say it, but, um, I think we're, I'm underestimated all the time, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) which can be good and bad. It's good in the sense that because we're underestimated and then we just come out of nowhere and kick butt, it's kind of fun because I know, you know, our strength or my strength. Um, but I do think we're underestimated a lot and people don't realize, um, again, over time, when you keep doing what you're doing, it it just can't be stopped. But it also can be motivating when you're when you're underestimated, it kind of gives you or it's given me sometimes a little bit of an extra edge. Yes. you know what? Yeah, like sometimes I get an attitude, but in, in a good sense, you know what I mean? Like a motivating sense, I don't let it it does the opposite for me it doesn't if it, it, it makes me want to go harder not oh well I, I guess i should just stop because it's annoying because it's not right and it shouldn't be based on um yeah you know gender or anything like that
0: so you rise to the challenge speaking to rising to the challenge what? What do, where do you want to take agape agape Where do you want what do you want to do Are you going to open up in another state What what's the what's the future hole for the academy
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're currently um, you know and I guess uh, you know we're we're in we have other bids that are in mm-hmm. that are pretty big um, So we you know we'd have quite a few tennis centers in the state of Georgia which would keep us busy for quite some time. And then, you know, beyond that, yeah, maybe we want to branch out to other States. Maybe we don't, but um, you know, if, if we get everything that we're going for um, at least for right now, then we'll have nine tennis centers.
0: That's fantastic. And and what about you personally? What do you, what does the future hold for you? You know, part of, uh, uh, part of going forward and, and growing a business is also the work life balance and mm-hmm. And 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 obviously, when you're hiring people and mentoring people, and, and, and that that comes into play. What, how are you going to face that personally? How do you keep your personal life and your work life uh, both happy?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, businesses go in different stages. Obviously, the the beginning stages when we're on this tremendous growth spurt, it's you know going to be a little bit different. But even in those very very busy times, it's very important to have you know, time for yourself and, you know, self-care and, and, and doing the things that you enjoy. Um, and, you, and I make that a priority and more so a priority. I love to travel um, and I'm going to continue to do those things. And, and ultimately, as the businesses grow and progress and you train people and you mentor people, you know, I hope to reach the point where I'm totally... Irrelevant in my businesses where they've been trained so well and managed so well that they can essentially self sustain and they don't need me because that's, that's the point is that The better we get the more time I have. So the bigger we get and and the better we get the more time that I should have if I'm doing managing the way right I could potentially have total free time um now that's not my personality type because i'm more hands-on and i always want to be involved but i should be able to create as much free time um as i want if i if i'm doing things well
0: right ultimately
1: not not right away because clearly you have to build to that point you have to train people to that point you've got to get it there
0: and do you still have time to get out on the court and hit some practice
1: yeah, I mean, all, I mean, I'm coaching right now. I'm I'm coaching more than I should be, but I'm coaching at least 20 hours a week and you know, we still have really good juniors. So, I mean, I can hit with them and I feel like I get tons of exercise just training with them and hitting with them. That's
0: fantastic that you can run the business. That's a great question that I always have and you just told me you're teaching 20 hours a week. How, do you think of that as a ratio like how much time you spend in the office versus time on the court? Have, have you ever thought of that in terms of a direct ratio?
1: Um, I don't know, in a direct ratio, I just kind of, you know, make sure that I have time to get done what needs to get done. And, and that'll probably be changing. I mean, I I think, you know, once, once these other centers are are up and running, it might be more like 10 hours a week. And it might just change depending on, Hey, things are running smoothly. Now I want to coach a little bit more. Cause I think that the difference with me is, is that, that I love it. I love actually coaching. I love the tennis part of it. I love the business side of it too, but because I, I truly enjoy it and being with the people, it it gives me purpose. So it might not be the best use of my time in terms of financially or, or even for the business, but it's, it makes me happy. So, you know, it's something that I always want to do. And I, I think at the same time, it's what has given me a lot of advantages because it's not just about money and running it like a machine and business. It's, it's the people, um, and being with them gives me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness you know, especially being with the kids. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I'm going to wrap it up there because basically you just said in a couple senses that you're really happy running a great business, still playing tennis. Amy, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast and, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. We look forward to seeing some great things coming from the state of Georgia and Agape Tennis Academy.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the beyondthebaselines.com podcast. I'm your host, Ed Shanafee, and it's a pleasure bringing you, every week, news and views and great guests from our tennis and fitness industry. You can always reach me at beyondthebaselines at gmail.com or by phone at the office on 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website, beyondthebaselines.com, and on our site, there's a link to our Patreon page, which has even more information for you and your club and your facility in our wonderful
1: industry. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.